Good morning. It's not me. It's not me. I didn't do it. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, welcome to Wells Ranch Community Church. I am Joseph Aiken, one of the pastors here on staff, and I get the opportunity to preach and bring the word on this morning. If you do not know, you cannot tell, we are in a series called Love and Marriage. Anybody know that? Who, who sang that song? Frank, Frank Sinatra. There you go. Go together like a horse and carriage. I'm surprised Chris hasn't talked about that yet uh, in the first couple of weeks. But we're in a series called Love and Marriage. And yes, in the month of February tends to be a month that you talk about love because of Valentine. But we're kind of taking it back and, and giving a little twist on things and, and how should we love and how should we love in our marriage. And so one of the things I really liked about last week, a quick recap of what Chris talked about was he said there's power in the gospel, that this isn't just a philosophy that we live by. And too often we take the word of God as if it's a, almost like a feel-good book kind of thing. And so as we're diving into this, know that there's power in the word. And know that this isn't something that we just read about and then go about our days, but this is something that we do. Amen? Amen. All right. And so with that, if you have any questions, feel free to ask all the questions you like. Uh, text them to this number. We'll answer them in Pastor Plex podcast. All right. Also, if you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles in the chairs in front of you. And if you don't own one, you can take this Bible. It's our gift to you. All right. All right. So for me, uh, love is well, love and marriage. I've been married for 16 years. Right. Now you can clap for that. I know I look like 22. (laughs) I get it. Like, when did he get married? He was 14. Yes, we did. No, we've been married for 16 years now. And so we got married in 2005, and 2007 actually is when we had our ceremony. Um, and the thing, we were, we were really young. Part of it was finances, different things, but it took two years. A lot of people don't know this, but it took two years for us to get, have an actual wedding. And I remember this day. My wife was big into modeling at the time, and so she got this big old fancy photographer. Like, the pictures were important. We, we did a photo shoot of our wedding. Like, I saw my wife in her wedding dress before the wedding because she wanted to make sure it was, like, you see these pictures? I kid you not. It's like magazine. I'm going to post them to some of them this week just to recap if you follow me somewhere. <laughs> But, like, these really good pictures. And so I had already seen her in her dress. But when she started walking down that aisle and she had this veil on, it was something different that hit me. Right? I'm watching her and then tears kind of, you know, I, I, I shed a couple thug tears. Uh, <laughs> I shed a couple thug tears. But I was, I was just watching her and I couldn't see, I couldn't even see her face. Right? I could, she, she had the veil on. You know, the purpose of the veil is to hide her face until that moment that you lift it up and you see uh, the glory that is Sierra. Soon to be at that time, well, she was already at Aiken, but Sierra Aiken, my wife. And how I felt just uncovering her and looking on her face, thinking to myself, man, this is my forever right here. Like, I get this for the rest of my life. Good, bad, and different. They, they tell you that, you know, through the, the good times, through the bad times. Like, I, I don't, there's no exit. There's no out. Outside of Death. Sierra, you're stuck with me forever, <laughs> right? And so, so I remember that moment. I'll never forget that moment. Even going through the pictures and stuff, like, man, I, I was so happy this day to unveil my wife and to see all the beauty that was her and to start this journey. And what I found, though, is that when it comes to our lives, if it's our marriage, if our relationships, that we 
have this veil over ourselves where actually we're, we're okay with, imagine if she wore the veil for the rest of our marriage. Where I, I didn't get to see her face ever. But we do that with veiling our heart in our relationship with Christ, in our relationship and going out to the world and teaching and preaching his word. And so what we're going to do here is we're going to tackle these few things if it works. All right, y'all going to have to help me back. It's not clicking. But uh, so first I found that this, we don't unveil our love when, number one, we lose or we want control. We make it about us. We don't unveil our love when we want control. Right. It's it's easy for me to not let you see me or give you access to who I am when I want control. I don't want you to know my weaknesses. God, I don't need your help. I'll be the captain of this ship. You go ahead and co-pilot and you can say some things and I may take your word or I might listen a little bit. But I want to be in control. And so what that means is I have to be out front. If I mess up, it's my fault. It's fine. I can fix it because I'm a fixer. This is what I do. This is who I am. Another way we, we do this is we, we don't want to we don't want to be controlled by others. Right? This unveiling love, I don't want to unveil who I am to you because then you can control me. You have something on me. We see this in our marriages where, and I'm guilty of this, I'm not going to give you every aspect of me because I do that, then you'll one day use this. You'll one day catch me slipping and use this against me. And lastly, I find that we don't unveil our loves because, well, we lose control. When everything gets so bad, we lose control. We're suffering. We're going through. And I'm still want, I, I, still, I have to hide this. I can't be vulnerable and let you know that everything in my life is going out of control. What do I look like? Because I'm stuck trying to control everything, not trying to be controlled. What do I look like? What would it look like if I showed you that really behind this beautiful smile and all these muscles (laughs) that I'm a little vulnerable kid, that I'm weak, that life right now isn't that good for me? I'm suffering. I'm hurting. That's why I don't unveil who I am. That's why I don't let you see into me. So that's where we're going on this morning. And my prayer for you on this morning is that you allow yourself to decrease and allow yourself to put on these spiritual ears to hear what thus says the Lord. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father God, we thank you. We love you and we praise you for who you are. God, there is none like you, none besides you. God, we're not even close. We're not even in the vicinity of who you are. My prayer right now, God, is that you will move. Move into every single person in this church building right now. Everyone listening online, God, that you will begin to move and transform their lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, God, we love you. God, we thank you. And God, we praise you. It's all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have uh, your Bibles, would you open up with me to 2 Corinthians? We'll start at chapter 3. 
and hop down to verse 12 for me. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 12. You're going to have to use your Bibles on today. Hopefully y'all know how to do that. (laughs) Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 12. When you have it old school, say amen. Hey, y'all done been in church before. (laughs) All right, and it reads, since we have hope, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Everyone say bold. Bold. Not like Moses. For those of you that know know what he's talking about, this is Paul writing to the church of Corinth, to the, the Corinthians, the people in this city. And so he's bringing up what he's brought up so far in the verses before this, our brother Moses. Moses, in Exodus chapter 34, he's, he's talking about this story in Exodus chapter 34 that they would be familiar with when the old covenant was given. And what happened was Moses was sent up to the mountain. God told him, hey, come up here, come spend some time with me. And up on this mountain, Mount Sinai, he's up here for about 40 days, 40 nights, not eating, just spending time with God. When he comes down from the mountain, He's bringing those Ten Commandments on the tablets, and he's, he's telling the people what thus saith the Lord, right? And as he's talking, the people see this man come down, and there's literally a glow on his face. His face is glowing because of the, his presence with God. He experienced God's glory, and he came down, and you could see it. He was quite literally and figuratively lit. It worked. Ah, I got it. He was. His face, like, it's shining, and the people were afraid. They were afraid of him because they had never seen this before. They had never experienced God's glory manifest in this manner right here. And what Paul is trying to get them to understand, he's, he's now about to compare the Old Testament, or I'm sorry, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Which you can say Old Testament, New Testament, because Testament and Covenant are, are interchangeable words. But the old covenant and the new covenant. Under the old covenant, under the law, what was happening was God said, here are the standards that I have. And because they could meet the standards, there needed to be a sacrifice. So this is why they're sacrificing the animals. Moses' son Aaron, he was that high priest that once a year on the Day of Atonement, he went to the holies of holies. He went to a place to where no one else could go but him. He had to prepare himself to even go in this room that no one was able to go with to make this, to teach them or or to on their behalf give sacrifice for their sins for the year. We couldn't go to God ourselves. We needed this high priest to do this. And so he's beginning to, to, to tarry and tell them, hey, this Old Testament, while there was some glory in it, it's faded glory. This is what happens. Look, it says, not like Moses who put on, who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. He put this barrier over his face. For him, part of it was they can't handle God's glory. But the other part of it was when he wasn't spending time with God, his face began, the glow began to run out. There was no new revelation 
because he wasn't spending the time with God. And he didn't want them to see this faded glory. So there was restrictions is what Paul is trying to say under the old covenant. That's why we have the new covenant. Look at verse 14. It says, but their minds were hardened. Anybody have a child that thinks they know everything? I got two of them. The third one don't know how to talk it, but I know he's going to be like that too. I tell my son every time, I said, yo, son, I got three decades on you. So I think I know what I'm talking about. And he'll, oh, no, dad, this and that. And for some of us, you're like, well, I don't have kids. Well, you got a spouse. You got a best friend. You got someone you've been in an argument with before where you're like, hey, like, this is what it is. They're like, nah, nah. I didn't. And you have this argument back and forth, but you have that person in your friend group, in your circle, somewhere that you're connected with that thinks they know everything. This is them, right? They were so caught up into their way. And you know, we, maybe it's just me, but I'm a creature of habit. I keep my routines. I do what I do because I know it works. The, the law, the old covenant, that was working for them. And here he is bringing something that has greater glory in the new covenant. He's saying, see, before it was written on stone, but now it's written in our hearts. Before it was written on stone, but now you have the Holy Spirit. And so this glory that, we're, that he's talking about, it will no longer fade because if anything, it's getting greater and greater and greater. This is what he's trying to get them to understand. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, they, they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. They're stubborn. They don't want to see it. They don't get it yet. And this is what he says, because only through Christ, but only through Christ, it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. One of the things that Paul is wanting us to understand that it's more important to talk to God about men than talk to men about God. You see, it's because of his relationship with God that he's able to speak with his boldness. This assurance of who God is. It's because of his love for God that he's able to operate and say, I have to take this to the world. Because he understands the gravity And we'll see that later. He understands the weight of this word that needs to go out to the world. Y'all are missing it is what he said. That was good, but it's faded. It's fading. I'm sorry. Faded is another word. Here, I'm going to help you out real quick. Because some of you are looking at me funny. Faded. All right, so, so quite literally, we can say this. We can say this in this text. It, it, it'll be relevant. But these people were faded on the old covenant. And so what that means in a, uh, I'm trying to, in a, in a more, in a different culture, if I say faded, that means you're high, drunk, inebriated, intoxicated over something. And you, you can't understand their gravity. So they're faded. They are when it comes to this old covenant. They're so caught up in it, in the sense that they, they don't want to see what God is doing. He says, you couldn't handle this. 
Yes, the old covenant pointed to God, but it couldn't get you there because you weren't able to uphold the standards of it. And this is where the legalism comes in. It's because like, well, we can do this. These are the rules and regulations. We got to do this. No, you're not good enough. On my best day, I'm not good enough to please God. We'll see this because the Bible tells us in the beginning we were created from what? Dirt. The dust of the ground is what the word tells us, right? And so on my best day, I'm just glorified dirt. I need God. And this is what he's trying to get them to understand. You're not good enough. And so here's this new covenant that I need you to hold on to and grab to because we get the Holy Spirit and we get to walk in this on a daily. 15, I'm going to read 15 again. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses, uh, on this day, whenever Moses read, a veil lies over their hearts. Verse 16 says, but when the one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And come from that King James Version, there is liberty. That's what I grew up with, there is liberty. But there's freedom. Right? You see also in, this, when, in the story of Moses, well, what happened is when he went into the presence of God, that was the only time he took off the veil. That was the only time he felt free to take it off because he was in the presence of God. And so now that we have this Holy Spirit residing inside of us, the veil can always be off when it comes to our relationship with God because he's always with us. He's dwelling on the inside of us, so I no longer have to hide my feelings as if I have to put on this front as if I'm strong enough and I can do this. Look at verse 18. And we all with unveiled face uh, beholding, everyone say beholding. This word, just to give you context on what this word means, it means to carefully study. So this isn't just looking at to carefully study. When my wife wears my favorite dress or her, my favorite clothes, has my favorite hairdo on her head and stuff, I behold her when she walks by. Hey, come back again. Do it again. <laughs> turn around, turn around, turn around. Behold my spouse, right? That's, I, I look at her and I'm carefully study, studying everything about her. So when we're beholding the glory of the Lord, We're looking at God in a way that we haven't looked before. We're carefully studying, which means we're in our word. We're praying. We're seeking after him. You can't behold God from a distance. I literally have have to be up in his face, and he wants that. He wants that type of relationship with me. He wants me to carefully study every aspect of him. It says, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed, being transformed, meaning this is the process. This is talking about sanctification, that this doesn't happen overnight. Just like building muscles. This is a process transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. My first point is unveil yourself before the Lord. So if you're taking notes, that's it. I finally got to it. Unveil yourself before the Lord. Take off the cloak. You know, the purpose of the the veil was to hide, to separate, right, one room from the next. 
The veil's design was so that you didn't see the glory. Not everyone has access to this. And so as we're carefully studying, and, 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 and please understand, you hear this, and this is also the text, if some of your versions may say, from glory to glory. What it's, it's not talking about the, the, that there's levels to Christianity. That, hey, I'm on the 16th degree, and you're on the 33rd degree. That's not what it's talking about. Because I'm just as married to my wife today as I was November 19, 2005. That status didn't change, but our relationship did. The depth of our relationship did. She knows me better. Like, I, I, can, I can sit in a room and smile, and she can look at me and say, what's wrong? No one else may not catch it, but she can see that because of the relationship. Because of the careful study that she has. I could be laughing and she can see my pain. Because of the relationship we have. It goes so far in our relationship after almost two decades of being together that she can taste some food that I've never tasted and tell me if I'd like it or not. That girl good. (laughs) But it's about relationship. That's what God wants us to do when we're beholding him. Carefully, stu- carefully studying him, learning about him. That's what he wants. Draw nigh unto him, and he'll draw nigh unto you. Which means I have to make this step to go deeper in my relationship. So it's not about being more Christian. It's about the depth of my relationship with God. So look at chapter 4. Flip the page if you got a flip the page. But look at verse 1. It says, therefore... Having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Part of, part of that is not, it's, it's about not giving up. The other part of that is don't be a coward. To not lose heart, like when you look at this and they're, they're talking about this, it means don't be a coward when it comes to your faith. Because look what it says, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word. But the open statement of truth, we will recommend ourselves to everyone's conscience inside of the in sight of God. What it's saying is this. And I know that's a lot. It, it, it's saying Paul was a, being accused of diluting the word of God. Because of this new covenant. They saying, oh, you're just trying to make it easy for everybody. That's not what he's trying to do. God had to make it easy for us because we couldn't do it on our own. He said, y'all don't see that you're stuck in this way and you can't uphold God's standards. The law was designed to point you to God and you were trying to do it on your own, in your own strength. He said, so I sent the new covenant to you, the Holy Spirit that resides in you because he's going to get you to the cross. But not any, not, not of your own will or power, not from what you're doing but because of everything that Jesus did on the cross. Right, so we saw what happened, and, and if you don't know the story, what happened was Jesus died for all of our sins, for Joseph's sins, for Joseph's mess-ups. And immediately what happens upon his death is the veil is torn. This veil that separated the rooms, it tore. Coincidentally, it tore. And what was the meaning of that? Saying, one, Jesus is now the high priest, and he's the one that takes our hand and says, hey, let me, sh- let me introduce you to our, my father. Let me show you to God. So I no longer have to go to the high priest 
to atone for my sins, I can go personally straight to God. There is no, the middleman is Jesus and what he did on the cross. That's the gospel. That's the power of the gospel right there that I no longer have to wait for some man to say, hey, the father forgives you. I get to go to the cross on my own because of what Jesus did on the cross and the Holy Spirit that resides in me. So, so you can't see God or you can't experience this if you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. This will make no sense to you because it takes the spirit to take me there to interpret what, what God is trying to do in this text. And the only way you can do that is saying, you know what, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord and Savior. I give you my all. Look at verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. So remember at the beginning he says, don't lose heart. Don't be a coward. Be bold. Go forth. And what it's saying is when you go to preach this gospel, to tell people about who God is, if they say, nah, I'm good, it's not your fault. It's not your fault that people don't want to accept Christ. It's easy for us to talk about the things we love, except God. For, for many of us, God is, uh, or, or being a Christian, and I, and I can speak to this for myself. Being a Christian is this feeling. Being a Christian is always in my heart, but it is in my hands. What do you mean, Joseph? I help you. When my son wants to play video games, he'll clean everything in the house. <laughs> Mom, you need this? Mom, what do you need? When this, he's asking all the questions, and he's excited about the prize that's over here that he gets, so he'll do anything to get to it. Anything. The best helper ever. And too often, what Christ did on the cross, because we know what he did and how he did it, we become comfortable in the state in which we're in. And so that excitement to get to the prize and tell people about who God is, it just stays over there. So it becomes a feeling in my heart and that activity of my hands. Because when you want something, you do something to get it. When you want people to know a story or a movie, I'll see a good movie or a TV show, immediately text my brother, yo, you need to watch this show. I don't always do that when I read my word. I'm, I'm just talking about me. I'm not trying to get you. I'm just talking about me. Like I can personally, I can cry, shed tears, shout unto God about all this in me. And then it just stays here. And I don't go out there and tell people about it. I'm not knocking on doors and I'm not telling you to do it that way. I'll have a conversation here and there, but I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of feeling God say, go talk to them and say, nah, I'm good. And I know you're saying, well, Joseph, you're a pastor, you know, I'm not perfect. I don't know my, and, and this is what this text is, is talking about, about us pouring our hearts out to each other, being vulnerable to each other, unveiling to each other. Because I can do it before God, but can I do it before man? Because they won't know about God if I don't go to them. 
Verse 4, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the sight of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Look at verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. So this is what Paul does. He's real cool at doing this. He says, hey, look at me. Look at me. You in the back. Yep. Look at me. Everybody looking at me. Jesus is Lord. (laughs) So he's bringing the attention. He said, I'm center stage. I bring all the attention to me so I can tell you who it's really about. Because look how he introduces himself in this formula. He says, with ourselves as your servants. He said, it's not about me. I'm just a lowly servant. I'm here to do the work of my father. So let me introduce you to him. And so he's yelling at everyone. Behold, I got something to say. Jesus is Lord. I'm not operating in my own strength. Jesus is Lord. It's not about me. Jesus is Lord. Oh, you like that house? Jesus did it. You like this car? He did that too. Oh, you see the health of my marriage? Jesus did that. For some of you, you may be newer here. Two and a half years ago, October 2018, my wife and I, well, I would say August 2018, my wife and I probably went through one of the biggest pivots in our marriage. That, That whole opening up to each other. Where she confessed to me after 12 years that she had an abortion. After 12 years. This whole time I had thought for 12 years that we had a miscarriage. In 12 years, she confessed to me that she had abortion and began to express why she didn't tell me for this long. And she said, part of it was, I knew you'd leave me if I told you. 24-year-old me, 25-year-old me, oh, I tell you what, I've been out. You're right, I've been out. And so when she told me that, this is where I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit's ability to transform our lives. When she told me that on the outside, I wanted, like I wanted to be mad. Like I wanted to punch the wall. And all I can hear God say was, love your wife, protect your wife. Love your wife. I said, but God, I want to be mad. Love your wife, protect your wife. I said, but God, why ain't I mad right now? Love your wife. See, I wasn't the the same creature I was 12 years later. And so I responded out of what was in me. Not because of the culture and how society tells me to react on the outside. But the only way we can respond with what's in us, if we're drawing close to God. Amen? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm really not, but y'all not going to even get all of it. So you're going to have to study your Bible to get more. <laughs> Look what he says, verse 6. It says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now this, the second point is this, unveil your heart before your spouse. And even more so, unveil your heart before people. I didn't even know they caught up with me. 
But the reality of it is, the cool thing about this is when it says, let your light shine out of darkness, this is a reference to Genesis 1, verse 3, when it says, and let there be light, right? And so I talked about earlier how God formed man from the dust of the ground, right, this from nothing. And, and he, he's making this reference, if you can catch it, with Genesis when in the beginning, was a, in the beginning, there was the heavens and earth, and the earth was without form. It was void. There was nothing. That's us without God. And so he's telling us that without the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of us, then we can't, we can't do anything. We're an empty vessel. And so what we're designed to do or what we're called to do is let this light shine. The only person that can call light to shine in a dark place is God. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can go out to the world and tell people about who God is. Look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. I said it earlier that we're just glorified dirt. Paul gives this image of a clay jar. What makes this clay jar valuable, because it's not metal, it's brittle, easily breaks, drops, bam, it's done. What gives value to this clay jar isn't the outside, but it's the contents of the inside. Okay. What gives me value isn't all of this, but it's the Holy Spirit that resides in me. And so I walk or I operate from a position of knowing who God is because of the Holy Spirit that resides in me. I don't lose heart because of the Holy Spirit that resides in me. I keep going, not because of anything else other than the Holy Spirit that resides in me. And so we are afflicted in every way, is what Paul says, but not crushed, perplexed, not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Paul is showing us that he knows affliction, but he's telling you, you've been through a lot of things yourself. And you're able to keep going, not because of your own power, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. For it is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Now he goes back to the beginning of what he said. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This is how the Holy Spirit works, that as I get old, and for those of you who are still young, age eventually catches up with your physical body. <laughs> my knees hurt. Apparently, my wife is elbowing my sleep because st- I stop breathing at night or something. I don't know. <laughs> She's like, get up. Get off your back. Man, I hate being old. <sighs> but that <laughs> over time, your physical body, the external will crumble. And what the word of God is telling us is that because of the Holy Spirit, that we, we should get younger. We should get stronger because of the depth of our relationship with God. Verse 17. This is this is it. This is the meat. 
It says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So, God, you're telling me all that I've been through, the death, the mayhem, the hurt, all that I've been through is just a light affliction. It's momentary. Yes. Why? Because of the glory beyond all because of the weight of the glory that God has. And so when I compare Yes, I've been through some struggles and I've been through some hard times that that the light affliction compared to maybe someone else's doesn't compare. You probably have suffered more than me that the the affliction that I feel, maybe I deserve it. But it's just a moment when we're talking about the glory of God. This is what and Paul, for some of us, we think, well, what is Paul talking about? Paul is literally hunted because he's sharing the gospel. People want him dead. He knows a little bit about affliction. And so for some of us, we may not have been afflicted before. And what the old, more seasoned saints would say, just live a little. (laughs) You'll go through a storm and you'll go through some hurting and you'll go through some pain. And God is saying, this affliction you're going through, I see it, I hear it, I understand it, but just wait. Just wait. So unveil and represent Jesus to the world that is suffering. Be vulnerable. Trust God. In all your ways, acknowledge him and watch him direct your path. Watch him do what only he can do. Watch him take you to another level that you've never been before. You see, I I, I sit here and I. I stand here before you knowing that I'm not operating in my own power, in my own will, that it's all about God. Y'all, I, I'm, I know it. I'm broken. I hurt. I go through things. I want to give up. I want to throw in a towel. I'm just not good enough. And that's where God wants me. He says, good. Now, now watch what I do with the rest of your life. When you get to a position to where you understand that you're not good enough. And so my question for you today is, will you take off the veil? With your relationship with God, with your relationship with your spouse, people. Will you stop allowing uh, division? Would you stop allowing barriers to cloud and hide and stay back and say, you know what? I'll give this a chance. I'll stop trying to be strong on my own and see what God can do. See what God can do in my marriage. See if God can teach me how to love. Because he can. Take a chance on God and watch him work. And do what only he can do. So will you, will you take off the veil? So we're changing up how we do, kind of going back to how we used to do communion. All right, so there's a few rules and stuff I need to tell you about before we get into it. But understanding what Jesus did on the cross is what we try to do every Sunday when we, when we take communion, when we're remembering what Christ did on the cross. Right. And so what Jesus did is he took the bread. Which this bread represents his body and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is given to you. And so if you look, just so you know, there are no communion cups in front of you anymore. We want everyone to walk around now. You'll exit to your left. 
All right. So when he when he broke the bread, he said, this is my body, which is given to you. He broke it. He said, take eat all of it. This bread represents Christ's body, which is broken for you. And then he took the wine. Wood, wine, glass, grape juice. Remember, then he took the wine and he said, this wine represents my new covenant. This is what we've been talking about. He's saying that upon taking this, you're understanding that the Holy Spirit is residing in you. That your power comes from his death on the cross. The sins of this world, he literally carries with him on the cross. He said, Joseph, I know you're going to mess up. Not just what I did yesterday, not just what I'm going to do today. He said, I'm dying for your tomorrow sins. This is what this represents. And so this isn't something to play around with. It's something to remember what Christ did on the cross for us. For me. While I was yet in sin, he died. This is what this represents. This is why I do this. This is why I'm reminded that, God, I can unveil myself to you because you did everything for me. I am glorified dirt, God, and I need you. So would you pray for me as we prepare for communion? Father God, we thank you. God, we love you. We praise you for who you are. There is none like you. God, we acknowledge your power, your your glory, your grace through this all. Everything about you, God, is perfect. God, everything about you is perfect. There is none like you. And so, God, we thank you. We acknowledge your power. So I pray for the hearts of your people right now, God, that decisions are made to draw closer to you, God, that decisions are made to unveil our hearts, God, decisions are made, God, to run bold and not lose heart, not be scared to share the truth that set us free. God, so as the enemy is looking to attack us, God, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome every obstacle in our lives. So, God, we thank you. God, we praise you. It's all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe, if you truly believe that Jesus paid it all, there should be some external factors to this internal change, transformation that you're feeling. When, when Moses went up to the mountain, came down, it wasn't him telling them, him, them people about his transformation. They saw it. He went to God and people began to see, the tra- people saw his transformation. They saw his glow. When God begins to come into your life and change things, people will see it. Why? Because your language will change. How you interact will change. How you love changes. Your marriage changes. Your parenting changes. Because there is power in the gospel. There's no way you can connect with God and not expect for there to be a change. And so my challenge for you this week, for this month, for this year, as you think about love and you think about marriage and what God has called us to, is don't be afraid to unveil your love to God. It's okay for you not to be in control and give all control to the God of the universe. 
Remember, I compared to my son these 30 years, but God is infinite. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And so when you have someone that is the designer of all things designed, trust me, he knows what you're going through. He sees you where you're at, and he can take you to where he wants you to be. So you have to trust that the God of the universe has it under control. You have to trust that God has called us to minister to people, and it's okay for them to see that you're vulnerable. And also, you have to trust and be okay with being vulnerable. Giving God glory through your suffering. Because the greater glory that that we are looking to is going to be with our Father in heaven. And so I want you to go have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.